This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023 edition. We're now into the second month of the third quarter. I don't know about you, but summer is definitely here and it's moving along pretty fast. You know, days like today are, are always eye catching, not just for the market gyrations that we saw, but also the headlines. Obviously, a credit rating downgrade on uh, the U.S. government is something most people sit up and take note of. So we're going to look at that story, among others. And per usual, we're going to go and take your questions, bring our topics, and meld them all together into some perspective and some data that will help you make better decisions with your money, make the most of your capital and your time, and create that framework, that mindset that will help you make consistently smart decisions with your money. They'll prevent you from falling into the counterproductive habits that hold so many people back. So once again, I'm going to provide you data, unbiased guidance with over 20 plus years of investment experience. And of course, Invest Talk is really about helping you take that next step in your journey to financial freedom. And to that end, this podcast is your opportunity to submit those questions that we will address and make it as relevant as possible to your portfolio. That's what your calls do. I don't know what your portfolio looks like, what your strategy looks like, what your risk tolerance is, what your goals are. But if you bring questions, well, maybe I can help that in some way. But you have to call. The Best Talk phone lines never close. It's 888-99-CHART. Now, my main focus point today looks in the story behind this headline, how EVs are upending the 100-year-old auto supply chain and cars have thousands of parts that come from a branching supply of chains, uh, chain of firms, each dependent on each other. And there are some projections about that business going forward. And I want to dig into that. How accurate do, are those projections going to be? So we're going to look at that topic. Also, of course, we're going to dig into their credit rating downgrade by Fitch on the U.S. government. I think that will be important. Also, oil prices are starting to head a bit higher. And we're going to talk about why and what that means for the back half of the year. And then lastly, foreign purchasing of U.S. home homes is down, down 14% year over year. And we're going to dig into that story. Of course, your voice bank questions will be played as well. One is on AGCO. And 
stocks with two symbols, a call and stocks with two symbols. So we're going to answer that question's a question, those questions, excuse me, along with an iTunes review question that we'll get to as well. So this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and of course, we're taking your live calls at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Now let's take a quick look at the market today. It was a decidedly red day overall. You had the broad market down about 1.44%, small caps down 1.42%, mid caps down 1.27%. So decidedly negative, but definitely most negative for the growth side of the market. Large cap growth down a little over 2%, large cap value down about 75 basis points, 0.75%. So big divergence there. And a continuation of what I've been saying since June, June as well as July, now that July's in the past, you really had neither side winning the war of uh, style factors of growth versus value. Today, especially the last week, definitely you're seeing that value outperform because of oil prices moving higher and you're seeing liquidity dynamics within the market starting to change. And these are new, there's, there's a new trend that's starting to emerge. It looks a lot like 2022 in the sectors that are doing better than others, et cetera. It's early and it may not stick, but there are days like today where it leaps forward in a big way. And you certainly saw that. And obviously, you had the jobs number come out from the ADP, like you saw last month. ADP number, not really reliable, but you are going to get an updated true jobs number here on Friday. And obviously, that will be a market mover as well. And of course, earnings season. We are in the midst of earnings season. And so there are a lot of big movers, both up and down. There are stocks down 10, 15, 20% on earnings and vice versa, up 10, 15, 20%. Uh, one was up 40% today. So uh, pretty interesting earnings season where there's a lot of companies missing and beating in big ways. Okay. Now let's head over to our first listener question now. Hello, my name is Preet, calling from the state of Washington. Thank you guys for an entertaining and educational show. My question is regarding the stock. Lidos, stock symbol L-D-O-S. Love the industry. It pays a 1.5% dividend. I think around 30% payout ratio. Just wondering what your guys' thoughts are on the stock. I'll listen back to the show for the answer. Thank you guys so much. All right, this is Lidos Holdings. It's a technology, engineering, and science company, and it mainly sells to the defense industry, intelligence, civil, and health markets, both domestically and internationally, it sells a lot to the DOD, the intelligence community, Department of Homeland Security. I know I see their body scanners at airports, and if you've seen those, so that that's the company here. And it's pretty large, about $13.5 billion market cap. So I'd say right in that mid-cap realm. They have a, a little bit of debt in their balance sheet, about $5 billion dollars. Not too much to worry about considering uh, their cash flow. Let's see what their cash flow trends look like. They have been ebbing pretty significantly since the fourth quarter of 2020 from $1.38 billion now down to $655 million. And I don't love that. I don't love the trend 
of earnings overall. And you continue to see the expectations for earnings this year and next year decline. So to be down 1% this year, back up 12% next year. However, like I said, the, the trend of those expectations continues to be lower. It's trading or it's growth on the revenue side somewhere in the mid single digit range, which is okay. It has surged as of late and that has helped the technicals for sure. It's starting to make at least a one higher high after a series of, of lower lows and lower highs. And so you're above the 200 day moving average. I like that uh, technically. And I'd really have to dig in these latest earnings. So that's what it looks like the, the catalyst is. I like that it's very profitable. I like that it is tied to government spending, although that may be a worry long term, right? You think of the credit rating downgrade. We'll eventually get to a point where, hey, we have to look at some of these spending initiatives and, and cut out the fat. And, and, and I think we'll eventually probably get there. And how much is within Lidos's business is a big question. So it's okay. The technicals are improving. It's not expensive. It's not cheap. It does have a little bit of debt, which I don't love. And it has it's slow growth. So, you know, it's it's okay. I, it's not her, ter, terrible. It's not amazing. It's just kind of okay to me. And, and I don't like okay. I want good opportunities, not okay opportunities. Right? Now we're heading into a break. So let me tell you about the new video feature we are producing. It's called the Invest Talk Sector Spotlight. And it is free right now over on YouTube. And our second episode is available now. It came out yesterday and it talks about the energy sector. And it's an important episode because the energy sector exhibits a dynamic and intricate nature and closely interwoven with the global and market uh, dynamics as well as geopolitics. And of course, presents a distinctive challenge for potential investors to delineate. And we head you can head over to YouTube on our channel and check out the Invest Talk Sector Spotlight and you can find out more. Now, the phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein talks about the KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. I want to remind you that this is a time where you probably need some guidance and you're tuning in to try to get our view of the markets. And we only have an hour here. And, and sometimes the way I distill each day can be maybe not enough, maybe not enough time. And so our premium newsletter is a great tool for especially newer investors trying to learn some things. The KPP Financial Premium Newsletter comes to your mailbox every Saturday. Learn how to analyze the market, learn what the economic numbers mean, learn how to manage a portfolio, maybe get an idea of what are good companies to be at least looking at. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you should always have a watch list of companies that, hey, these are interesting, these have good businesses. And if they get the right price, maybe I should buy them. So our newsletter is a great tool for that. Subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Now my focus point looks into the story behind this headline, how EVs are upending the 100-year-old auto supply chain. Now, 
Revenues for internal combustion engines, as well as fuel and exhaust systems, are expected to decline 44% through 2027, down 44%. And revenues for electric drivetrains and batteries and fuel cells expected to rise 245%. Now, this is according to the 2023 Deloitte Automotive Supplier Study. And this is probably, for a lot of people, turning heads. It's a catchy headline. And it's important if it, if it is true because total powertrain parts for current in internal combustion engines uh, are, are shrinking. The pie is shrinking. And it includes typically about 200 or sorry, 2,000 different parts, whereas battery electric powertrains only have about 20. So they're much more simple. However, here's my issue with the study. You know how much the average electric car costs in June of last year? This is June of last year. Think about it in your head. What do you think that number is? Now, let me give you a, a list. I'll go from compact cars all the way up to luxury vehicles. Compact cars, $26,200. Midsize cars, $31,900. Compact SUVs, $35,000. Full-size cars, $44,600. Minivans, 47,500. Vans, 50,100. And luxury cars, $74,000 on average. All new vehicles, on average, $48,000. The average electric car costs $67,000. 67,000. And that's that's now only having a small percentage of the total car sales globally, single digit. I think it's around six or 7% of new car sales last year. So what happens when that doubles and it triples? Are prices going to go up or down? Because what's happening here is it's all about the raw materials that go into these cars. And so, I have a huge problem with this study because it doesn't address that. It's what the industry wants and what, it's what government wants. It's what the industry is putting their might behind, which what you've seen is with all their might, there's still less than 10% of global car sales. So while I do think longer term, there is this trajectory and there'll be more adoption of EVs. I don't think it's, going to be all of the cars that are sold. And certain small suppliers are a lot of small suppliers that are private. You've never heard of, they're not public companies and they supply little widgets and different parts and have expertise in different parts of the, uh, of the car and sell to OEM manufacturers. And some of those will be, will struggle because they will, be unable to reinvest to support the electric vehicle market. While the large ones, the Bosch's of the world, the Magna's of the world, et cetera, they'll be able to reinvest and uh, spend R&D money and CapEx to address the EV market. So there's certainly a lot of change that's happening in, the, in this industry, but per usual, remember we used to we talking about flying cars by 2020? I don't have that either. So uh, remember, uh, Elon saying we're going to have robo-taxis in 2021. We don't have that either. So the projections, I think, 
are going to be far off. Now we're going to a break. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, if people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. By Rant says, I've owned Oracle for a number of years and still like the company, but I would like to trim my position on it as it makes up a large percentage of my portfolio. Will be a good pr- price uh, price point to lock in some gains at this point. And I think the answer is pretty close to here. We think it's a bit overvalued here at these levels. Still a very good company. We actually used to own it for a while. I believe we sold it over the past couple of months. I don't remember exactly the price, but it is a bit overvalued. So I think this is an opportunity for you to definitely trim. Now it is hit the 50 day moving average. Could you see uh, another rally up to the 125 level potentially? So maybe scale in any sales on on a rally. Uh, right now you're at 115. Once again, could it get up to 125 potentially, but obviously the chart has weakened since its surge in mid-June. So uh, I like that you're looking to manage risk, take some profits, nothing wrong with that, and understand that it shouldn't be too large a percentage of your portfolio. And from a fundamental standpoint, this is a good time to be doing that. Thanks for the review. All right, let's touch a bit on this credit rating downgrade. And what Fitch is hinting at is that there's a growing debt burden and political dysfunction in Washington. Shouldn't shock anybody. We've been in a hyper-polarized political environment for going on a decade plus now. And it only continues to really get worse. I blame the the media companies, both, I think, traditional and in some ways social. But that's neither here nor there. That's It is what it is. We can talk about the solutions and what Fitch is talking about is the problems. Now, this is the first major rating downgrade since 2011 when S&P lowered their rating as well. Now, remember, the treasury market globally is $25 trillion. And... They're used as a benchmark, benchmark for returns on stocks and bonds, because generally investors want a higher yield for something that is considered ultra safe. Now, not a lot of investors think that's going to change anytime soon, but it is a reminder that no entity is sacrosanct. Everything has its problems. And Fitch points to the erosion of governance relative to other top-tier economies over the last two decades, the repeated debt limit standoffs and last-minute resolutions, erode confidence in in fiscal management. And all that, I think, is understandable. 
They even point to January 6th and the riots and how that peaceful transition of power or threatening of is a worry for global investors. So not a shock there. And then I, you add on top of that, the trajectory of the debt, which can be seen a really a mile away. Not only are both sides of the aisle drunk spenders just on their own different pet projects, but mainly the entitlement part, which is Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, that's becoming a bigger issue. But you should, everyone should have known that. You just look at demographics. The baby boomers are retiring. The majority of them have retired. And when you retire, you go from being a taxpayer to a collector of all of these entitlements. And so it's a double whammy for every boomer that's retiring right now. And if you look at the general government deficit, expected to rise to 6.3% this year from 3.7% last year. And a lot of that is weaker federal revenues, which is which makes sense. Asset prices were down, especially early in the year, year over year. And that means less capital gains received. People are selling less homes, right? The, the amount of homes that are being sold uh, because of lower volumes, less people are paying capital gains there as well. There's also new spending initiatives and the higher tax burden, Fed raising rates and moving the interest costs up to probably pretty soon. It might already be there over a trillion dollars per year. Now, how much does this matter in the near term? Frankly, not a whole lot. But it does remind you that we are in on this long-term trajectory that uh, I don't think we're we're going to pull ourselves out of in the sense that it's going to be good for the holders of the treasuries. It's not. But not because we're going to default. I don't think we're going to default. We're likely to do what we did post-World War II, which is inflate away the debt. The government wants nominal growth higher than the cost of the debt. And when you can do that, when you can have the nominal growth of the economy higher than the the growth of the debt burden, you whittle that debt to GDP ratio down. We did that from the late 40s all the way to the early 80s. And I think we're going to do that again. But that means a period of sustained higher inflation. And I think that's what this pretends to. Now we're heading into a break and we're going to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say... You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. 
So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hi, Stephen Justin, longtime caller here from the Midwest. Love the show. Thank you guys for everything you teach us. Hey, I have a question here on the stock. Um, ticker symbol is AGCO. Um, it's an agricultural stock, I believe. When I purchased it quite a while back here, it looked like it was good, and I felt the agricultural industry would be flourishing here in the future. But um, so far, I've lost about 8 to 10% in the stock, and I'm wondering if I should um, get out now. I've listened in the past to, uh, I'm sure you know, my former investor, um, William Bill O'Neill, I believe his name was, and he always uh, kind of taught that when you're down 8% or more in a stock, it's a good time just to get out, call it a loss, and look for something else to possibly get into. I'm wondering if you guys um, abide by that same rule of thumb, so to speak. So I'm curious what you think of this fund, or your stock, I mean, if this is something I should just get out of, cut my losses, and uh, sit in cash, and look for something else open in a different area, and possibly get into that. Well, I'll address the last question first. Is I wouldn't, I don't like to blanket say, oh, you're down eight percent, you sell, uh, because eight percent on Procter Gamble is very different than eight percent on a small cap, right? Procter Gamble moving eight percent is a big move, whereas most small caps, eight percent happens uh, often weekly. So I don't like that. And, and AGCO, it's kind of in the mid cap space. It's about a ten billion dollar market cap, and it's a good business. Earnings continue to grow. So see up 24% this year. Analysts continue to upgrade those earnings. They have modest debt loads. And it's a, for everyone else, it's a global manufacturer of agricultural equipment under five brands. Fent, Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Valtra, and GSI. And so obviously this is a smaller, I guess you could call it smaller deer. But deer has a lot more debt. This has, looks like a cleaner balance sheet in my mind, and it's not expensive. It's revenue growth last quarter, it's 30%, that's up from 24% the previous two quarters. Earnings growth was up 80% year over year. 
pays about a 1% dividend. Return equity, 26%. I'm okay with this. Technicals are okay, right? It's, it's, it has pulled back a little bit here from 140, now down to about 130. And it's in kind of a consolidation pattern. So technically, it's, it's kind of neutral. I don't see anything terrible or, or great. Timing-wise, I don't think timing-wise this is fantastic, but you know it depends on your time horizon. But I wouldn't sell it just because you're down eight percent. I think it's very good business, and I like the trends within the ag space. So I would say I'd hold it if you have a long-term time horizon. Now playing two in a row adds more value for your time spent listening to Invest Talk. So let's do that right now. My question today is in regards to why do some foreign companies offer two stock listings on the exchange? It is a common theme I started to notice as I continued to do my research. An example being is Schneider Electric. Their two stock symbols are SBGSF and SBGSY. As I continue to do my research, is there one better than the other? I noticed that one stock symbol is significantly higher than the other. Just trying to figure out what would be the better investment in the long run. Thank you and look forward to hearing the answer on the show. Bye. That's a great question. And typically, this is because it is representing these are ADRs, typically, and they are listed on a particular exchange and different exchanges. You can have the same company listed on multiple exchanges. And so that oftentimes is the difference here. Now, I'd have to dig into the data to understand which one is which and where it's being held. But I wouldn't look at the price either. I've said this many times. Most people say, oh, well, that stock's 100 and for this example. Uh, the one that ends in F is trading at $181. The one that ends in Y is trading at $35. It's the same company. Okay. And the ownership stake and things like that, that could change potentially. But you can see that if you look at the charts, they're pretty much one for one correlated. I'd have to dig in the details. Sometimes there can be share class issues where you're, uh, you're, you're buying a share class of the voting rights versus not. But the foreign com companies, that's typically because they're on multiple exchanges, listed on multiple exchanges. So this is a German company. It's probably listed on the German exchange as well as uh, maybe in London. And this represents e e uh, both of them separately. So to me, I wouldn't, I would do some digging and figure out why, but for the most part, that's, there's not much difference between the two typically. Right? Now let's pivot and discuss oil prices. Now oil prices have started to march higher. They're highest levels in three months. And that's for multiple reasons, both on the supply and the demand side. Now most of this year, oil has been trading a few dollars above or below 80. But most recently, Brent crude, which is a global metric for crude oil, it was up 13% in July, the biggest monthly gain in a year and a half. The U.S. equivalent, West Texas Intermediate or WTI, 
that was up 16% last month. And on the supply side, declining inventories are starting to reflect the cuts out of Saudi Arabia and Russia. And the corollary to that is a lot of economic indicators are saying, hey, we're, we're not in a recession. Looks like we could at least avoid a recession near term. The fears are overblown, which is boosting demand expectations. And the U.S. Energy Information Administration actually revised their oil demand figure for the month of May to show that we had a record high for demand here in the U.S. And Goldman Sachs, they predict another record in July as well due to strong economic activity. There's also stronger growth in India as well. And that's offsetting China. China is looking weaker, but the rest of the world continues to look stronger. Now, Standard Charter says oil demand will outstrip supply by 2.8 million barrels a day this month and will likely top 2 million barrels per day, per day through the end of the year. So the fundamentals within the market continue to improve for oil. And then you have positioning in the market. Crude oil futures have their deepest net short position recently since 2016. So investors were piling into betting that oil prices were going to go down. Why? Because they were betting on a weaker economy. But now that's starting to unwind and many people are actually going the other way. Many investors are going the other way and betting on rising prices. So what I've said for most of this year is first half of this year, oil, probably not that great. Strategic oil reserve continuing to drain to put liquidity or put uh, barrels of oil on the market. And fears of recession from a positioning standpoint would build. Now that's starting to unwind. All of that. And this is important because energy is a major component for headline inflation. It feeds into goods and services. And energy costs of all sorts. Motor fuel, electricity, piped gas. That makes up 7% of the CPI index. So if oil does break out to $100 per barrel or more, which many analysts are starting to expect, that could mean the Fed stays higher for longer. Now, I, don't, I don't think that would, pre would create or force them to raise again, but just keep it higher for longer. Now, the biggest wild card, once again, is China. The data shows that they're, they're recovering slowly. Not a whole lot of investment in getting that economy restarted. But oil imports have rebounded. They're up 45% in June from a year earlier. But analysts don't know, are they storing that oil? Uh, are they doing that because oil was down and it was pretty cheap? Or is that true demand? So we'll see. But clearly, in the back half of this year, the dynamics for energy and oil prices continue to look up. Now, we're moving quickly through the third quarter, and Steve and I have been telling you for a while now that we are in a new market environment, and serious investors need to adjust their thinking, their strategies to fit these times. 
And so let me remind you that here on Invest Talk and at our company, KPP Financial, we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success, which means we implement unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you, if you need a second opinion, you need to understand, are you on the right track? Does my portfolio fit these new trends that are just starting to emerge over the past couple of months? Well, you can set up a free portfolio view assessment with me. Just head over to our website, go to investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button in the top right, fill it out, we will get back to you. Or you can call our office, 800-557-5461. And the sooner you contact us, the sooner we'll help you get your portfolio optimized. Now, this is Invest Talk, now with more than 54.5 million downloads in our history. Thanks to you. Next up, more market analysis and more answers to your questions, so hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Yes, I'd like to find a good entry point for Disney, D-I-S. I think it's uh, oversold and might be time to start slowly adding to the portfolio. Thank you. Okay, let me start with saying oversold is a technical indicator. That's it. Companies get oversold, that's right, uh, over short periods of time. And you might buy it for a bounce, but that's the only help it really gives you. Very short term. The problem with Disney here is they have been a pretty poor allocator of capital over the past five, six years or so. And that shows in their earnings. 2018, they made $7.08 a share. And 2019, pre-pandemic, that fell to $5.76. And then 202 in 2020, 229 in 2021, it started to recover, supposed to be $3.73 this year, but those analysts are downgrading those expectations as well. And they put a lot of money towards streaming. And it hasn't really paid off. And then you add on, you know, the fact that they've become more political. I don't I never find that to be a smart business strategy. You're alienating, you know, 40, 50, 60% of your customer base. And I don't see a reason. Technically, it just continues to grind lower. So what? It has no dividend. It's still trading. Even if you go based on next year's earnings, a $5, that's expectation, $5, which once again, I think that's optimistic. You're still trading at about a market multiple. If you go by this year's earnings, you're well above the market multiple. It's supposed to be $3.73 this year. Somewhere around 25 times earnings. Why are you paying that? Why are you buying it now when the technicals are pretty atrocious? So 
it's at some support, but it's been sitting at that support for a year. It hit the support right around the, in the, around the 90 level in June of last year. Remember, the longer something sits at support, it's just gaining power to, to break lower. So I think it will, and I think it probably heads to the low 60s from the mid-80s now. And maybe at that point, they'll learn their lesson to allocating capital better. I see no reason to buy it. So I'd pass on Disney. Now, listen to Best Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here. It's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you want to call, you want to do that right now. Just a handful of minutes left. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. And along the way, you're sure to have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to talk to Bill. He is in Northern California looking at Equinix. You're looking to buy it. Oh, hi, Justin. Can I ask you a, a different question first? Sure. Um, I'm always kind of curious about, you know, how things work and the, the radio show and stuff. And I listen on TuneIn a lot. And mm-hmm. if I miss it or if I miss a portion of the show, I'll often go in and listen on iTunes, which is nicer, no commercials, uh, and clear reception. But I just wondered, you know, do you, uh, do you only broadcast on Salem or – is that like, do they distribute the whole show or do you distribute on multiple forums? Because it comes through in like TuneIn. How does TuneIn get it? And how does, um, what's the other one? iHeartRadio. I heard you mention them once. Yeah. How do they, how is that distributed? Is that, does Salem send the signal to them or what yep. happens? Sa- yeah, Salem sends the signal to them. So we are on one station in Silicon Valley, uh, KDOW. And then we take that show, the, the, the radio show, cut it up into a podcast and we usually put that out right around 5 30 p.m uh pacific time uh, each day so that's kind of how it works oh, so okay. tune in yeah, I and, 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 I mean, I and they're, they're getting the feed from listen, from uh from kdow oh, okay i listen to on kdow on tune in so that's kind of the direct method i just wondered because i opened up the app and this doesn't happen very often but sometimes it'll just be playing commercials and thinking like and then it played the same commercial like three times. I guess I need to talk to TuneIn about that. It's some problem with their app or, or just something. Or listen to iTunes, as I always say. I, I think the podcast uh, is always a cleaner, easier way to, to listen. Yeah. Anyway, to get back to the stock, I do own Aquinix, and I think they reported today, and they had uh, a good earnings. But uh, I've had it for a few years, and I, I bought some more last year when it was uh, when you know kind of beaten down and done pretty well and but i just wonder how you look at that as a longer term holding yeah i mean for everyone else out there equinix is one of the largest data center reits out there they have 248 data centers in 71 markets worldwide very geographically diversified 46 percent of revenue comes from the americas 32 percent europe the middle east and africa and 22 percent in asia and asia pacific they have ten thousand different customers a very large $75 billion market cap. 
it's I would say it's a bit overvalued at these levels. We think uh, the fair value is closer to six hundred dollars per share. It's at eight hundred now, but it depends on your time horizon. You know, this is maybe a time where you rebalance, trim a little bit, uh, because it is a good solid REIT to own long term. So that's the way I would look at it. Depends on your time frame. Near term, probably a bit overpriced, overbought. Time to trim, probably some, and then on a pullback, maybe it gets around the six hundred level. Uh, maybe add add some more. That's the way I would uh, look at it. Uh, yeah, I kind of concur with that. I, I thank you for that. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call, Bill. Let's go to Sam in San Francisco. Wants to talk about PayPal. Sam, you there? Uh, hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about a good entry point into uh, uh, PayPal, PYPL. Let me ask you this. Well, why do you want to own it? Um. It went down all the way to 60, 62 bucks and mm -hmm. starting to come back. So I thought this may be a good time to get in and maybe, you know, uh, go higher from here. After it rallied, wouldn't it be better to buy it back down around 60? Yeah, I mean, starting to go back up, right? So I'm hoping that it's going to go above $100 at some point or sooner than later. Um, yeah, well, well, you don't want to hope, right? You don't want to. You want to. You want to have real reasons for that. If you look at the chart, yes, it's rallied, but it's really rallied, rallied into resistance and hasn't changed the long-term downtrend that you've seen. You know, until it gets above eighty-seven, eighty-eight dollars per share, then it's no longer in a series of lower highs and lower lows. And what you're seeing here with PayPal, I think, is that the risk of CBDC, Treasury coming out with their own digital transaction system. And that's the long-term worry here for PayPal. Analysts' expectations for earnings this year and next year continue to come down. I don't like that. And last year, earnings fell. And they were juiced by the pandemic. And I don't think they're going to be able to maintain that growth. So I, I'm watching PayPal. I think it's interesting. But uh, this move in the, the price recently has not changed the longer-term trend in the stock. And so I continue to keep PayPal on the sidelines, and it's interesting to watch, but I wouldn't be buying it right now. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Now, we have achieved more than 54.5 million downloads since it all began, and we thank you for that. Independent thinking showed success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.